Hello, everybody. Welcome to church. It's good that you're here. And now you've got to say g'day to some people around you. It's great that you're here too. And we just want to say, especially if you're a father, happy Father's Day. It's hard work, isn't it, when you have to be there while your wife gives birth and, you know, you have to encourage her. And then each, each day, just continuing on. So fathers, way to go. Happy Father's Day. And we hope... Yours has been a great day so far, and uh, I know mine was going well until I turned on the footy scores and saw the Hawks getting done, but it's, uh, at least it'll keep us humble for the finals, but I hope your team's doing well too. Um, just want to let you know a few things that would be just great to uh, keep at the forefront of your mind, things that are coming up in the next few weeks, and one is the snow trip. You don't want to miss this if you're a young adult. It's on the 14th to the 16th of this month, and so it's coming up very soon. And there's going to be some information about that right at the end of the service. So just remember that and look out for all the extra details that you need to know about the snow trip. It's going to be a great day. Also, we had a great uh, annual church meeting, and thank you to so many of you younger people that came along to that. It was great to see many of you there, and we had a quarterly uh, meeting as well. And uh, during the quarterly meeting, we uh, appointed um, Ken Stevens as our new church administrator. Woohoo! So Ken's over here down the front row. G'day. You want to just give us a wave, Ken, and, and do that? Great. And uh, Ken and Faye have just got back from holidays too, and we're looking forward to you starting and still not till the start of October, but it's great that you're, uh, for the appointment, we just want to say good stuff and we'll pray for you in that role in just a few moments too. So great, great stuff, Ken. Yeah, is that his son? That's Tim. Good on you, Tim. Um, one of the great, uh, in incredible things I think it's good for us to remember as we come together each week that sometimes you might come just thinking to yourself, oh, I wonder what I'm going to get out of this, this evening's service. I wonder who's going to talk to me, you know. Or I wonder what songs they're going to have. Or I wonder what, um, you know, things are going to happen up there uh, tonight and how it's going to affect me. One of the things I'm really encouraged about when I uh, remember all the things, I'm reminded that, Really, life is not about me and what I can get. Because God made you for his pleasure and he, your life, he wants it given to you, to him, given back to him. And he wants your life now that you've given it to him to be used in service. And so tonight as you come, listen to what it says in 1 Thessalonians um, in chapter 5. This is what it says. And we urge you, brothers, warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, and help the weak. And be patient with everyone. Uh, tonight, if you're a follower of Jesus and you're here tonight, God wants you to be part of serving others. You know, not just receiving all the time, but serving others. So do you know, sometimes we think, oh, what ministry is there that I can do? Well, here's a ministry for you tonight after the service. Uh, just do this. Urge, we urge you, brothers, to warn those who are idle. So if anyone's just sitting around, yeah, and warn them. No. Encourage the timid. 
you know, if someone's feeling like, I just don't really know what if I can do what, I, what God's calling me to this week, encourage them. Help the weak and be patient with everyone. Tonight's an opportunity for service. After the, ser- after the service tonight, you might be able to encourage someone or spur them along or serve somebody else just by asking what God's doing in their life and walking with them. What a great opportunity. Well, tonight, here we are, and we're going to worship God and continue to do that. So before, as we continue to do that, let's pray together, shall we? God, we just love being part of your family, and we're reminded that it's not all about us. It's about you. You made us. You love us. You died for us. And now we, we just want to give back to you our lives in service. And God, sometimes this is not um, incredible service that we're, we're doing, but sometimes it's very quiet, just service, encouraging one another, listening to one another, being someone who cares about the people that we meet um, in church and out of church, in all the places where we, get, where we are. God, help us to be servants tonight. We just want to thank you for Ken Stevens, who's uh, really um, has sought you as to whether he should apply for the role. And we thank you for the church that have responded by sensing this is your, uh, your spirit at work. And God, we just pray that you would bless him as he starts and that uh, you would help our church to be able to be you know, so well administered that nothing would hinder us from your purposes and for achieving all that you want us to do in reaching lost people for you and building up those that love you here in our church. Oh God, we pray that you'd strengthen him and, and Faye and his family too. And we just ask you to continue to guide him. God, now for those that are coming back from Malawi, we just ask your blessing on them as they're returning to Australia uh, tomorrow. We just pray that uh, you would just continue to Uh, be present with them, that they would know your help as they come back and readjust to life here. And God, we just pray for their families as they meet again, and may this just be a great time for them. God, tonight we're here, and we're about to hear from your word. We're about to open it and see what you have to say to us. We just want to say our ears are open, our hearts are soft, and we want to hear what you're saying. We don't want to just hear tonight, God. We want to be those that obey what you're calling us to do and live it in our lives so god we would say like young samuel speak lord your servant is listening speak god to us we pray in jesus name amen let's pray uh dear heavenly father we uh, do want to praise you tonight um Father, we praise you for who you are, God, and for the amazing things that you do. And, and now, Lord, as we come to open your word up and to learn from it, we ask that you would be enabling us to hear uh, your message, Father. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, well, information. Uh, there's a, a lot of information that comes our way um, during the, an average day, I reckon, uh, we wake up, and for some of us, some of us before we even wake up, we've got wave after wave of thought, um, thoughts coming to us, and kind of coming into our minds, telling us what we need to do for the day. Then our brains might say, might tell some of us that we need to eat some food, so we kind of go, "I've got to, got to eat some food," and then. Our brains are telling us more information that, you know, the, the wheat bix are just getting a bit overdone because I've had them for the last year or whatever, or the toast is good or the juice is great or the pizza is all right. 
the day continues and, and more and more and more information streams into our heads. Um, so we listen to music or we watch TV, we have conversations with people. We listen to teachers, we listen to uh, lecturers, to your boss, to parents, to your friends. So much information just keeps coming at us. The traffic, going for a drive or being in a car, there's noises all around us. You hear laughing, you hear crying, you hear screaming, you hear dogs barking. You might get on a computer, you're checking your emails out, you're talking to friends on MSN or uh, MySpace or Facebook or whatever. During a day, the information that is coming our way is there is a lot of it. And this is our life. This is the way it is in our culture. Now, with all the information that comes into your um, brains and my little noggin, um, do you ever have the problem of forgetting the important things you're supposed to do? So um, do you ever get to the end of the day and then suddenly go like, oh, no, I've like forgotten to speak to that person or to go and catch up with that person or, oh, no, I forgot to put my pants on and all day I've been wearing my underwear. (laughs) Hopefully not. It's always a bad dream, isn't it? You get the feeling of dread, perhaps, that comes over you, the concern that you didn't remember, that you forgot something important. Then some of us might even uh, not get any feelings of dread or concern because uh, we just completely forget, completely. High levels of information come rolling in day after day and we just don't remember day after day. Is the information that washes over you, that streams into your head day after day, causing you to forget the most important thing? Is that information causing you to forget what the most important thing is? We're going to be looking at a bit about this kind of topic, but, and it all comes from here, our message. So let's um, turn to Exodus <clears throat> chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12. Start of your Bibles. And now we're going to read from verses 31 to 42. The Exodus. During the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, Go worship the Lord as you have requested. Take your flocks and herds as you have said and go and also bless me. The Egyptians urged the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they said, we will all die. So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. The Israelites did as Moses instructed and asked the Egyptians for articles of silver and gold and for clothing. The Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people, and they gave them what they asked for. So they plundered the Egyptians. The Israelites journeyed from Ramses to Sukkoth. There were about 600,000 men on foot, besides women and children. Many other people went up with them, as well as large droves of livestock, both flocks and herds. With the dough they had brought from Egypt, they baked cakes of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Now the, Lord, the, now the length of time the, Israelites, the Israelite people lived in Egypt was 430 years. 
At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt. On this night, all the Israelites are to keep vigil to honour the Lord for the generations to come. We are tonight are continuing on in our series in Exodus. It's actually our second last night on the book of Exodus. And preceding this passage, basically God has made a promise to his people. And the promise is uh, that he was going to rescue them from slavery in Egypt. God has made this promise to free his people and uh, lots of the Israelites have been doubting it. But in this passage, it has just unfolded. Now, the first thing in tonight's reading that should strike us here as being significant is that God is faithful. This passage proves, it shows without a doubt, that God is faithful and will keep his promise. God had promised, I will rescue you from captivity to the Egyptians, and now he's kept his promise. Now, this is amazing. This really is. The king of Egypt is saying to the Israelites, Get out of my country. The people of Egypt, it says, urging the the people to hurry and leave the country. For otherwise, they say, we're all going to die. They're driving them out. We hear that that the journey out of Egypt begins, begins. It's amazing. It must have been a joyous day for the Egyptians who have been in slavery for so long. So in verse 37, we hear that there are 600,000 men besides women and children, who leave the country with all their droves of livestock, flocks and herds. And then in verse 40 and 41, it says the length of time that these guys have been in there. It says the Israelite people lived in Egypt for 430 years. That's a long time to be in the land of Egypt and lots of that enslaved. At the end of the 430 years to the very day, all the Lord's divisions left Egypt. 430 years. The time has come. God is keeping his word and the people leave the land of Egypt. This is a faithful God to his promise. Now, God's faithful though, but he does it with style as well. He's uh, spoken beforehand the detail about how this was going to happen. It's not like they limp off these people and sort of like the Israelites' tail between their legs. It's like they are sent off with abundant wealth as well and they are driven out. So check this out. In verse, this is like, uh, God foreshadows this. God gives a bit of a preview about how they're going to leave. So back in chapter 3, when everyone's doubting it to happen, um, God says, I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people so that when you leave you will not go empty-handed every woman is to ask her neighbor and any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothing which you will put on your sons and daughters and so you will plunder the egyptians that's the preview that's the kind of this is what's going to happen thing and then this would have been so far from their minds They didn't think they were going to get released, let alone this idea of going away with wealth. But then we read in our passage tonight, in verse verse 35, this, that the Israelites did exactly that. They asked them for silver and gold. And then verse 36, the Lord had made the Egyptians favorably disposed toward the people. 
And they gave them what they asked for, so they plundered the Egyptians. They're going with wealth. They're going with, a, you know, the, with so much wealth. This is amazing. He has promised to rescue them, and now he keeps his promise. I think it's amazing to think about this faithful God. That was then, like a long time ago, and today the God who rescued these people from captivity is the same God, same faithful God, who rescues us from captivity as well. This is the one and the same God. What kind of captivity, you may ask? Well, the Apostle Paul writes about this in his letter to the, the Romans. He says that people are actually enslaved to sin. People are captive to sin. We're heading down a path that's captive to sin inevitably will lead us to death and life separated from God in hell. We can say that all people that ignore God, that don't really live for him, are held captive by sin. Now, we don't might like these words, but this is the word of God telling us this, that people captive by sin are forever trapped. They're forever captive. They're captive to rejecting God forever. God demands they acknowledge him, but they are forever captive. People are captive to sin. Their only option is to live to please themselves. They're so trapped, they can't even choose to get out. They are captive. But then, in the words of Paul, in, his, in another letter to the church in Ephesus, he says, we're captive, right? But then he says, but God who is rich in mercy, out of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead through sin, or if you like, trapped and enslaved to it, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, rescued. Then a bit later it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. People, we in this building tonight have all at one stage been held captive by sin. We have been enslaved to it. And therefore we have been destined to die and be separated from God in hell for eternity. This is a, a horrible destiny. This is our reality before we met Jesus. We have to grab hold of this. But then Jesus Christ, a saviour, a saviour comes and rescues us. That through surrendering our life to God, putting our faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for our sins, we're saved. We're rescued. Here is the, the faithful God who saves and rescues people from captivity. And then God says, nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing can if our faith is in Jesus. Your destiny with God is in heaven. It's assured if your faith is in Christ. Our God is amazing. Our God is a faithful God who keeps his promise. Now, are you amazed at this truth? Now, this might not be the reality for some of us. If this is you, then really continue to think through putting your trust in Jesus. But for those of us who have our faith in Jesus, does this 
blow your mind. <coughs> awesome if it does. Great if it does. But sometimes people, I reckon to our shame, we forget. We forget how amazing God is and the amazing freedom we have because of his grace and mercy. We forget the full significance of being saved. I think many of us have forgotten. We haven't like completely forgotten, but our sharp edge, our passion in living first and foremost for God has become a bit dull or a bit kind of complacent or it's not that important anymore. Have we become like Mr. and Mrs. Forgetful? Forgetting the full significance of being saved from eternal death and pain to eternal life and joy in the presence of God. Have we forgotten? Are we numb? If we look at, back at the passage, we see something very interesting. Um, please look back there at verse 34, if you have your Bibles open. It says, So the people took their dough before the yeast was added and carried it on their shoulders in kneading troughs wrapped in clothing. And then in verse 39, with the dough they had brought from Egypt, they baked cakes of unleavened bread. The dough was without yeast because they had been driven out of Egypt and did not have time to prepare food for themselves. Quirky. Amidst all these words telling us about the faithfulness of God, the amazing God who keeps his promises, we have these recurring verses about bread and dough, weird. But right here at the moment, God does this amazing act of rescuing the Israelites from slavery. He's like giving them this festival. He gives them something every year to remind them again and again and again about how amazing God is. It's a festival of Passover that finishes with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Doesn't sound too tasty to me, a feast of unleavened bread. Um, but it's a yearly feast that people eat to remind them at the very start of the year that God is faithful and rescues his people from Egypt. Have a look at uh, verse 42. It says, Because the Lord kept vigil that night to bring them out of Egypt, on this night all the Israelites are to keep vigil or stay awake to honour the Lord for the generations to come. It's a night to set aside to remember what the Lord, what Yahweh has done, to honour God, to remember what he's done for generations to come. It seems that um, amidst this amazing act of God and he's um, faithful to his promise, it's like he's aware that people are inclined to forget. So he gives them a, a reminder. Now, for us, with um, all the information that streams into our lives every day, the noise, the clatter, the busyness that screams at us, that takes our attention, how do we remember? How do we remember when life's so nuts and out of control and there's barely a minute of the day that goes by without being bombarded by information? How do we remember? Uh, love it or not, it's Father's Day today. 
a day that someone created as a day to remember fathers and maybe as a way to sponsor Hallmark, who knows? A day that we can use as a reason, if you like, to call our dads up and tell them how much we appreciate them and how much we love them. I've got a wonderful father who brought me into this world. Without him, I wouldn't be here. Um, I don't know much about the details, but there you go. Um, He's blessed me in so many ways. He's not perfect, um, but he's my father, and I really want to honour him for all the stuff he's done. Any dads here tonight? Who's a dad? Who's a dad in the building? Put your hands high. Hold them up proud. Unless no one knows you're a dad, and that's, you know, you can... (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being fathers. Thank you for being fathers and for loving your kids and for supporting them, and we just pray that you continue to do that well, to uh, point your kids to God. It's amazing. I reckon we should give them... A round of applause. Still, to, still got to call my dad up today. But I love him. Remembering our fathers on Father's Day. How do we remember our Heavenly Father and what he's done for us in Jesus? Now, we've got Christmas. We've got Easter. Uh, we've got the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Does anyone get into that? Um, I I personally want to use these times as moments to remember, but I also want to make it more frequent. I don't do it always um, because sometimes I forget, but I try and do it as much as I can. But to make it a habit of when I wake up in the morning, to pray to God as a way of reminding myself who God is and what he's done for me in Jesus. Try Try and have it as a daily reminder when I wake up God, you have saved me through Jesus Christ. That is amazing. Thank you, God. It's also um, remembering that, you know, when you have daily quiet time of reading and praying, that also serves as a great reminder to let you know what it's all about, what God has done for you. So a question might be, what can you do starting from tonight or tomorrow morning to remind yourself that you have been saved at a great cost? that you've been rescued from slavery to sin, death and hell and delivered into an eternity with this amazing, loving God, freedom and life eternal. We really need to do something, people, to remind ourselves because this life is busy. What are you going to do? Now, hang on a minute, okay, because we need to remember what he's done for us. We need to remember that um, what he's done, but why? What's the big deal? What's the big deal about, about remembering? I can recall having conversations with people uh, kind of reminiscing about an event that's gone by. You might, you, know, uh, you might do the same thing. You know, you have a chat about how the weekend went and uh, kind of talking about the fun times. And it's like, oh, do you remember the um, time we floated down the river on that big log? Yeah. And um, we got to that like big mud pan thing and we got out and we had a mud fight and I threw that mud and hit you right in the eyeball. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. <laughs> is, so is remembering God like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the time you, um, you rescued me from uh, K 
captivity to sin, death, and hell. <laughs> yeah, that's really nice. What's the big deal, people, about remembering? What's the big deal? Because I reckon uh, we can see it like that sometimes. Well, for the Israelites, remembering how God had delivered them from the Egyptians was marked out by a week-long festival. Um, Passover, finishing with the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And the feast forced people to stop. To stop and really um, take stock of what their life was all about. And so... If during the year life had become focused on something other than God and God had taken a back seat to things like work or family or God had taken a back seat to uh, pleasure seeking or money making or career advancing or relaxing, then this festival of this remembrance festival was to encourage people to get their focus right. It was like People should come and go, oh my goodness me, God is amazing. God is, oh, so the thing I should be focused on in my life. You know, my life, surrender back to you today. You know, have your way, God. I'm living for you. Help me please live for you. Only you're worthy of being the one I focus on and live for. So for them, remembering was a time for refocusing Now, for us, remembering what God has done for us through Jesus Christ must refocus our life. If we don't refocus, we're just not remembering. We just don't get it. To remember how we've been saved is to remember something so significant, something so central and foundational to life, that our whole life should get flipped upside down and our focus realigned. Do we remember? Do you, fair dinkum, remember what God has done for you? Or have you grown dull to this profound truth? I remember a couple of years ago, being on holidays and asking a pretty uh, deep kind of question. This is my question I was asking. It was, is it all worth it? Is being in ministry, is being a follower of Jesus Christ all worth it? I was seriously asking this question. Because if I get to the end of my life and find out that it's a big scam, that God doesn't exist, that it's just been a complete waste of my time, then I've wasted my life. I could pursue a job that could get me a truckload of money. During the same holidays, I saw a friend of mine. He's working three days a week and he gets paid 150 grand a year. I could be doing the most pleasurable things with my life. Every new day, being a new opportunity to do something new and exciting and pleasurable. Honestly, people, if it's not fair income, if God didn't send Jesus to die on a cross, then let's pack up and enjoy life. Let's 
pursue as much pleasure as we can because it's short. So during the holiday, I was really wrestling out this with God or nothing, whatever it is, you know. And I was praying and I was challenging God to speak to me. And I was reading um, from the book of Isaiah. And you know what? As I was reading, God started to communicate to me through his word. He started to tell me something, not in audible words, but just a kind of impression, uh, clarity in the word. And the message was, Phil, remember. Remember the historical fact that I delivered Israel from Egypt. Remember the, the historical fact that I came to earth, I took on flesh, I died for your sin, I rose to life. Historical fact. And he was even impressing on me, remember what I've done for you in your life. Take a look. The countless times that I've directed you, that I've taught you, that I've challenged you, that I've saved you from physical harm, that I've actually protected you from going down a path pursuing soulless pleasure. And this is not coincidence. The hand of God in my life, is unmistakable in the lives of other people. It's unmistakable. And as I started to remember all that God had done in my life and the life of others, it became so clear that God is real and amazing. He's not dead. God just hasn't ceased to exist. God is more real than this building. God is more real than the people who are in it. Now, I remember recommitting myself that day through tears of repentance and surrender. I was like, God, you're amazing. You have rescued me from captivity to sin and you've delivered me into an eternal relationship with you. And it was like, God, have my life. Help me live each day first and foremost for you. How are you going? God says, come back, surrender your life to him tonight again. Remember this great love of God in Christ and surrender your life to him. Surrender your dreams to him. Surrender your jobs, your relationships, your everything. And refocus your life to live first and foremost For him. Do you remember? Is your life refocused on living for the one who has saved you? Uh, Now, I'm certain that many people here tonight have become so swamped by life and the information and noise and distraction that you've either completely forgotten or partially forgotten the significance of God rescuing you from captivity to sin and delivering you to life eternal. And because you've forgotten, you're now living first and foremost for something that is not God. And I want to pray for you. There are also some of us here that, although we're seeking every day to live for Jesus, we, we long to do it more. And I want to pray for you as well.
And I think the prayer is the same. The prayer is one of repentance and surrender back to God and a rededication, a choice to this day forward on help me focus first and foremost for you, God. So I'm going to close in prayer. And uh, if this is you, just, just pray it along. Pray it along for yourself. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that um, you would forgive us for, uh, forgive me for making other things in my life more important than you. And I'm sorry. Father, help me remember the significance of your faithfulness in rescuing me from captivity to sin into an eternal relationship with you. Please help me from this day to live first and foremost for you, God. I surrender to you. I surrender to you, Father. Put my trust again in you, Jesus. And help me live every day with you as the supreme, as the first, as the focus of my life. And pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And for those of you who do that, the assurance is, is amazing of God's love for you. He just wants that every day. Him being the first, the focus of your life. Thanks, Phil. And uh, thanks for leading us through those moments of rededication. And uh, again, uh, you know, just coming back and saying, God, we don't ever want to forget. And some of you may have said that for the first time that you want to remember all that he's done, you want to own that. And it could be that tonight you've been saying, oh, I'm one who's prone to forget and I want to start afresh tonight. It might be great just in these next few moments to take a blue card out. They're in your news sheet and it'd just be great for you to just say, God, you know, I, um, I'm wanting to rededicate my life to you. Maybe you want to have a prayer need that you'd like us to be praying for. Maybe just as an indication that you've been here tonight. Let's just take a few moments to continue to prayerfully respond to God. Let's just do that quietly together.